but I can't forgive it about that. Ten and six. Watch continues as we count down the hours to the deadline for Dak to make a long-term deal. And we're counting down the days until training camp as well. But first, we've got to draft the worst team possible. Don't worry, I'll explain that in a second. Welcome in to a super bad draft edition of About Them Cowboys here on The Athletic. I'm Kent Garrison at The Controls. Excited to welcome in our experts for this episode. Remember, follow along all of our coverage, all of our coverage here at The Athletic across all sports. MLB, NHL, we've got NBA getting underway. Secure that subscription. Good through July of 2021 now. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. 40% off. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Get on it now. You want to get that for the season. You want to get all of our episodes. So go ahead and do it now. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys for 40% off. So now let's welcome in our panel. Guess who's back? I know what he did last summer and I know what he's going to do this summer. Let's cover the Cowboys. It's Father John Machota, a.k.a. The Machete. <laughs> Howdy, John. I, I hope I'm going to be covering the Cowboys this summer. I just want to, I want something to do, you know? I'm getting kind of bored over here, watching the same movies over and over again, and uh, I don't know. I just want to see some sports. I want to cover some sports. You know, this is typically, Ken, I know you appreciate this, KT too, because um, I know you're out there a bunch, but I'm really thinking about how much I'm going to miss California when I sit there and I just go outside yesterday and it says it's a hundred, but the, with the heat index, it's like one Oh six. And then you look on your phone and you're like, okay, so what's the coolest it's going to be at any point today? And you're like, Oh, five in the morning, it'll get down to 85. You're just like, that's as low as it's going to go. And then it just goes right back up to, and I just, you know, you get that feeling of where you're going to get that every day for the next, I don't know, a couple months. Whereas like yeah. going to Oxnard, you got to break that up a little bit because you get to go out there, you're out there for a few weeks and it's like, you know, 70s low 80s at the highest and it's just like you get you take it for granted so nobody is looking more forward to training camp next year in Axnard than I am yeah man it you know I don't know how many years we went or I went with you but I I don't think I had a bad day weather-wise the entire year so I mean years we were going there and uh yeah certainly gonna miss that but maybe you maybe you John get it yourself a nice little hotel room you know somewhere locally <laughs> I'll stay across little, street. Yeah, have stay, your own little uh, training camp experience, you know? I'll stay I'll stay at the Omni at the Star, right across the street yeah, from the practice yeah, facility. walk on over there in the morning, go, go see what they got popping off at breakfast, you know? Like, go go bug the uh, 
the dot com tent or whatever they got set yeah. up down there. You know, sounds like a plan. They'll love to see me. Gosh, uh, man, I, yeah, I, I certainly miss Oxnard and driving the golf carts around and and all that, man. It's like a it's like a little time capsule there. You go there and it's the same every single year. You know what to expect, but gonna have to wait till next year. But don't have to wait for him. He's back in the hosting chair. He's fresh off brushing up on Hamilton and Wayfair conspiracy theories. Oh, I'm excited to hear about this. It's Kevin KT Fun Pods Turner. You guys are absolutely right because it was nice to budget for you guys a month, five weeks almost, a budget a month of your uh, summer at the hottest point in DFW. For me, I was usually two weeks. But do you know, it's like clearly it's in my it's in my routine. It's what I do every year. Two weeks of going out to Oxnard. Probably wasn't going to happen for me anyway because I work at a rock station now, but we're still going to maybe find a way to start going to training camp once uh, the world goes back to normal, if it does go uh, back to normal. So. Wait, hold on. You're the, you guys aren't just a rock station, and you're also ranked number two. So Thank don't, you, sir. Don't, be, don't, don't try and undersell this. Number two in adults, by the way. <laughs> uh, number one, men 25 to 54 from 2 to 5 p.m. So I can say that with uh, happy pride. That's why we call ourselves the number two sports talk rock station. <laughs> but don't worry about us. Um, so, look, uh, a bombshell this week as uh, the Chiefs are like, hey, uh, hey, Pat, do you like money? And he's like, sure, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll sign now. I don't. Uh, his agent's like, don't sign now. He's like, nah, let's go and sign now. Um, so my question is, I mean, by now we know that uh, the DAG deadline is the 15th, so that's – Wednesday. We're recording this on Sunday night, the 12th, for full disclosure for everyone. Um, to me, it just kind of assured that the deal doesn't get done. But I think if you're going to like, if you're like one of those people that holds uh, Cowboys media like accountable for their predictions on what's going to happen, like this is the one year to take it easy on them because uh, no one's seen or heard from Jerry or Steven in months. So you really like, most years we would be able to take a comment or something they would let slide and, and kind of read into it a little bit and take a good guess. I still think the Pat Mahomes contract getting done does kind of take you more down the path of Dak's going to play on the, on the franchise tag for another year. Uh, but what were your thoughts on that, that contract getting done, what that means for Dak and, and what that means going forward, John? Well, first of all, it just surprised me because I was under the impression that why would anybody get any business done right now? Uh, in any of the sports leagues, just because of the uncertainty of COVID-19 and what's going to happen this season, if they're going to have a season or not. And so I was like, you don't really see any deals going on right now. So I didn't think any of these deals are going to happen. And then the one that does is the biggest of them all. And so that completely stunned me that that was it. And it also opened the door for me to where I actually, not a lot, but it actually made me think that there may be there, maybe I'll go up a percentage point or two on, on the chances that maybe they do get something done with Dak because of the fact of, Maybe there's something in this that sets a ceiling. You already know that the floor is the golf when steals, and um, now the ceiling is higher than what Dak's going to get regardless. But still, at least there's some more parameters put into place. And the fact that they can do a 10-year deal like that during the times that we're in, it made me think like, okay, instead of me saying there's only maybe a 15 20% chance, I'll go up to 22 or 23% chance. I still don't think that they get a deal done by Wednesday, um, but it did sway me a little bit just because of the, the the times we're in right now. And it would be interesting to see it get done. Cause like you mentioned, there's just really, we haven't heard much on the record from Steven or Jerry and it's just very odd, uh, for them for it to be that way. So, hmm. um, 
Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see on Wednesday. Either way, Wednesday's a huge day because if they don't get anything done by Wednesday, then there's no more of this talk until the season's over because they can't negotiate another deal until the season's over. So Dak plays under the one-year franchise tag if nothing gets done by Wednesday. Yeah, and if this was like a Chiefs podcast, we would discuss maybe the ins and outs of that contract. Um, and I think there some of that could be pertinent to Dak, but I, I let's let's stay away from that for for today. You know, it's interesting that I think you look at where Dak is at. It feels like Dak is kind of okay with playing on this tag. I mean, he's made enough in endorsements on the side. I'm sure he would like to get the deal that he wants and that his agency wants, but it really does feel like he's okay with going out and playing on the tag, and he's the type of guy who's going to go out and, you know, kind of use that to try to help, you know, uh, have another great year, you know. And I, I think that's where it gets dangerous for the Cowboys, is where you could try to do it now, and who knows what each side is offering. Again, this is tough to handicap, but it does get dangerous now by Pat Mahomes taking the market way up. Dak, let's say he goes out and has a great year with Mike McCarthy at the helm. You know, I could see that happening. I could easily see that happening. I could see Dak solidify himself as a top uh, five to ten quarterback in this league. I could see that happening, and that's where the Cowboys are, are in a bind. And then you go do it again and salary cap. There's just so much there to me. It just, none of this to me benefits the Cowboys letting it drag out this long. And I know we've had this conversation a thousand times. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I still scratch my head and and look back at all of it. Now that we're on the other side and go, man, they saw Wentz. They saw Goff. They saw Russell Wilson. Somehow those organizations were able to get a deal done with their quarterback. You are the are now the team that is the outlier. You are now the team that's not being able to get it done. And in recent history, the other team, the other front office that's been that way, is Washington. So that's what that's what this is lining up as. And there could be a whole other conversation of other things you can you can say. Well, this front office got this done, but right now these other organizations, whether it ends up working for them or not, they got a deal done. And right. Cowboys have proven that they can't do it. The so one far. thing I and I agree with everything you just said there, but just to play some devil's advocate, I will say Kirk Cousins never knocked it out of the park in Washington. If he knocks it out of the park during one of those seasons, they get it done. And in the season you just described, if he had that, they're taking care of Dak. Yeah. One and two, I think he would want to resign even more than ever because it's like he knows he he's just got done the first four years of his contract playing under Jason Garrett. If it hits to the level that you're talking about. Why would he want to leave Mike McCarthy? And if it hits that level, that means things went well with C.D. Lamb. And Amari Cooper's under contract. And Zeke's under contract. And several offensive linemen are under contract. Like It also was one of those things where it's like, do you really want to leave this thing over a couple million dollars less a year to go test the free agent's waters and possibly go to a franchise that you're kind of left as like the only guy? Like, yeah, maybe they have a really good defense, but you go back to having, you know, just maybe, you know, 200-yard, 250-yard passing games, and uh, and they're almost like – you know, you're just like a game manager. Like, why wouldn't you want to replicate the season that you just had and with this organization that you clearly grew up a fan of and you want to be with them more than ever? So I don't think it's completely all 100% against the Cowboys. I think that if everything sure. went well, too, I think that also helps their chances of bringing them back because you'd be like, why would I leave this right now? Like, as long as they're offering him something respectable, you know, which I I, I believe they will because they wouldn't even be in this position right now if they weren't off- making him an, a respectable offer. Yeah, Can I you- totally agree. Do you think they may try to make him a, a deal last season at any point? You know, that midway point of last season where Dak was in the MVP conversation. I thought they would try to get something done last season when they were convinced, oh, yeah, this guy's the real deal again. And uh, 
you know. Yeah, but I think after he before was the price keeps MP- going up, you know. But I think after the MVP start to that MVP caliber start to that season, I think the asking price went up too. Yeah, it wasn't compared, like the same offer to what was it on is the now. same table. Yeah, no, the offer same offer wasn't on the table that was at in training camp. So then that went back up again. Then they were kind of like, all right, well, we'll just you know, obviously actions speak louder than words and for them not to talk again until the combine that pretty much said everything that on the Cowboys feelings on there it was like let's play the season out and then we'll revisit it now keep in mind out of both those sides whatever we say right now hindsight's 2020 because things could have been a lot different if you if you sit there and say at that time whenever they're negotiating whether it's once the season starts or in training camp if you go yeah, there's going to be this global pandemic and it's going to shut things down and we might not even have a season. It's going to get real crazy. Uh, salary cap might not go up uh, the following year. Like it's going to be pretty wild times. Like all sports are going to stop for several months. Like that could change things too. And that's part of the equation now that wasn't there then. And so I think that that will always factor in depending on where things go this season. So it's hard to sit there and look back on and say like, you should have done this. You should have done that. Like the Cowboys are willing to come to the table and make a respectable offer he obviously wanted more than that, and I can't argue with him on that either because off of what he's specifically been making in his rookie deal, he deserves to make more money. But this whole idea that the Cowboys have just been cheap on this whole thing, and they wouldn't, if they were going to be cheap on this whole thing, believe me, why even give him the exclusive rights tag and just be like, all right, well, if somebody else wants to give us two ones, we'll take it. Like, we think you're good, but we don't think you're really that that good. So if someone gives us two ones, we'll buy, we'll see ya. And they didn't even make that an option. So they clearly want the guy to be their quarterback. So... I don't know. We'll see as it goes forward, but uh, everything's pointing to right now that he's going to play under the franchise tag. Yeah, if anything happens this week, we will have an emergency Dak Prescott, uh, you know, uh, podcast episode of about them Cowboys right here on the Athletic. So yeah. keep following all the people you need to follow, including Kent Garrison, John Machota, and myself if you'd like on on social media as well. And don't uh, worry, see if anything happens. We'll be we'll be tracking the the Bravo Eugenia. And according to our, our good friend at VesselFinder.com, the Bravo Eugenia is headed due west out of, looks like northern Washington. Looks like they're up Alaska way. Yeah, I saw someone tweet that they, uh, a picture, this is probably about two or three weeks, eh, no, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and when it was somebody from, I believe, Anchorage that said that, like, they had a picture of the boat or whatever. So huh? that, that does that does match up there. Do you think we can get an ad? Anything, any type of a sponsor from that website? Vesselfinder.com? Yeah, do you think do you think they can they can they can sponsor <laughs> they want, this podcast? Want, yeah, if they want a sponsor, we'll I mean we'll, we'll talk about talk. you guys all the time. Yeah, get we'll get a we'll wear Vessel Finder merch out in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Get get the Bravo Eugenia uh, tracking page up up to date. But yeah. Yeah, Jerry's looks like he's on a on an Alaskan cruise right now, so maybe signing Dak is not the the forefront of his mind. If you guys have that boat right now, where are you guys going? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I have that boat, I'm not in Alaska. But go on. Where would well, you guys go? Well, weather matters. So it wouldn't be Florida anymore either. If you know he was in Florida yeah. or off the Florida yeah, Keys. He's trying to get you out You know, that, that was back in the springtime. Now you're kind of running away from COVID at all times. Um, True. But this time of the year, man, I don't, Alaska's probably not a bad place to be this time How did he get it from Miami to alaska did he sail it all the way around the world or did he go the panama canal route and i, don't know, I would go, think go back and look that's wouldn't that's it have to be panama canal surely he helicoptered home and someone uh you know he he wasn't on that boat the whole time from the florida keys to alaska <laughs> no I'm, I'm just asking about the how the boat the, the guy driving the boat had to get it around there no I jerry he did it. he was at the pan, wheel pan, for all pan. of it oh god i hope so <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Oh my I, would, God. I would pay so much money to see Jerry driving the Bravo Eugenia trying to <laughs> trying to dock it. He's like, guys, okay. I can't I can't comment on these social issues. You know what? I'm trying Jerry to get the docking, boat through KT? the canal. No? That that okay, it would be hilarious um to see him uh to see him drive that boat. Uh, all I'm picturing, all I'm picturing is that <laughs> I'm picturing the uh, that episode of The Office where they go on that booze cruise, and uh-huh, yeah. Michael Scott is like, or no, actually it was Dwight is so out of control <laughs> that they're just like, Eric, go up here and you can steer the ship, or he thinks he's steering the ship and he's on the front, and they're just like this fake wheel or whatever. What if they had that on the Bravo Eugenia for just like anybody in the like organization <laughs> or whatever? They're like, oh my god, this person they want to drive. The- just uh-huh. tell them that that thing's the boat they're driving. Okay. <laughs> Because it can't be like a wheel like that, is there? For something like a boat like that, uh, the wheel is on there, but that's not what. It's got to be all like electronically done, right? Yes, yeah, so the wheel is just for for show, right? I assume, but I haven't taken a tour of that no. that boat yet. Not many have. Before we move on, KT, gotta tell our listeners a little bit about Hawthorne. If you know me, if you've met me, you know smelling good is important to me. It's one of the first things people say to me when they meet me, other than, wow, you're much uglier than I thought you would be in person, is, wow, can't you smell really good? Well, that's thanks to our good friends over at Hawthorne. Hawthorne smells really good. And getting Hawthorne is easy. Maybe you go over to the cologne section at your local department store. Maybe you're just overwhelmed. You don't know what's going to smell good for you. Hawthorne has you covered there. You go online, you take their quick two-minute quiz, and they give you personalized recommendations for two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns if you don't like it. So, what do you have to lose other than smelling really bad? Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E. And .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. Use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off. That's Hawthorne.co. Use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off. Get ready to go back into the real world and smell good while you're doing it. Check out Hawthorne. It's Hawthorne.co. All right, KT, let's draft. Let's transition. Now, a couple weeks ago, John and and Bob Sturm at The Athletic squared off in a best Cowboys draft. Uh, John Wayne, you know, all the big-time Cowboys from the back. No, actually, (laughs) Dallas Cowboys. Uh, The best Cowboys draft, and then... Actual, actual NFL executives and experts from you know, with history, uh, the history of covering the NFL weighed in on who had the better team. They all voted for John, or most of them voted for John. But we have the idea today, we're, we're going, and we, uh, admittedly we struggled with the criteria a little bit, <laughs> but I think we're settling in for worst Cowboy team is what we're trying to kind of piece together. But we didn't want to just pull complete spares. Like we wanted to be people that everyone for the most part knows. Uh, people that people who actually had a memorable, you know, cup of coffee with the Cowboys. So let's kind of go for the worst Cowboys team. So we're just gonna go down position by position and and, and chop it up. Let's do a quarterback. That discussion might take a little longer than some of these other positions. Quarterback. Now on my list, I submitted Drew Henson. Um, I believe uh, Hutchinson or, or Henson was uh, kind of on on your list, Kent, and then. John, on your list, Quincy Carter or Ryan Leaf. On my original list, I had Anthony Wright, uh, but I decided to, to give him a pass. But his forty-five percent completion percentage was standing out, staring out at me. Um, Drew Henson was had such so much publicity around him that I'm not sure if it's fair or not to him because he was a baseball player. 
Um, but Hutchinson as well, but he was older. But Henson, it felt like more just wait for the Yankees for a little bit. There's there's so much going on. So that's that's where my vote went. But man, it's just kind of really just a good reminder of how bad the quarterbacking was between Troy and and Romo. Yeah, I have no disagreement on that. Like uh, I I mentioned Ryan Leaf and Quincy at first because you know Ryan Leaf was a first round pick, obviously not by the Cowboys. Quincy was second round pick, but um you know when we were doing this exercise it turned into like biggest disappointments and so to be a disappointment you're gonna have to have some type of expectations and so which makes it easier because if you're just doing worst players like who why would anybody listen to this care for me to rattle off a bunch of like guys that like maybe played in one game where they were just basically on the practice squad like you want to know about guys that you actually remember either them drafting or you've seen them play for a little bit and they were a bust and so when that's the case then yeah no i i don't disagree with you guys. Drew Henson's a great, great suggestion. Um, I uh, can't when, when you uh, were, were, were thinking about this. What kind of what was your kind of thought process? Yeah, anybody that they I don't know kind of gave the keys to. Uh, you know, I think Quincy had some some brighter days. Um, like right when Parcells got here, I think he played some pretty good football. Um, I never saw good football from from Drew Henson. You know, you saw a flash maybe uh, towards the end of Emmett when Emmett was making that run for the record. Uh, I guess Chuch was the guy at that point. You know, I guess he looked the part because <laughs> he's a tall, lanky kind of pocket passer guy. Uh, you know, that was a, a definitely a pipe dream, Chad Hutchinson. But Drew Henson, everyone was convinced that he was like Brady. Because he was better than Brady at Michigan or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, look how good Brady's doing, and we got the guy that was better than him on the bench. Why isn't he playing? And they put him in. I think what was it uh, Thanksgiving one year. Um, and yeah, had a little bit of a run, but yeah, I, I remember for a good couple of weeks, maybe a month or two there, that everyone was convinced Drew Henson was the the next Aikman, and well, it lasted for literally a week. I think a week or two before I realized it was, we were crazy. Well, what adds to that too, is it's kind of like the John Elway thing um, where it's like, it's not only do you have a chance to play in, in the majors, like you're being highly sought after by the Yankees. And so that adds in there too. Like, I mean, growing up in Michigan I'm telling you like the hype on Drew Henson was crazy. Cause it was like, yeah, this guy can go be a star NFL quarterback or he can go be a star for the New York Yankees. And you're just like, how many guys does this happen to? Like, it's just so rare. Mm-hmm. And obviously it didn't work out in baseball. So then, you know, he tried the football thing and that wasn't working out either. So, um, but it is incredible. Actually, I think he, I believe he's, he lives in Dallas now. Um, but, uh, Drew, yeah, Drew or Chuch? Drew. I'm sorry. I was talking about Drew Henson. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I mean, so to get the chance to pick between how many guys played for the Yankees and the Cowboys, you know? So I, under, the, the, the hype was understandable. Yeah, uh, one of you. Uh, I'm not sure which one of you mentioned the Thanksgiving Day game because he went, he he went in garbage time and went six for six. Yes, that's uh, what I'm talking about. And then he came. Everyone in was and, like, "Who is this guy?" Oh, yeah. And then in a Cowboys win on Thanksgiving, he went four for twelve for 31 yards, mm-hmm. and they still won that game, 21 to seven. It was so against we'll, Detroit, wasn't it? So we all good. Uh, the Bears, the Bears. Uh, so are we good with riding with Drew Henson as our uh... Let's go <laughs> Let's go We gotta start a game tomorrow He's my guy yep. Here we go Running back Joseph Randall 
two out of three votes for Joseph Randall. You know, is see, everyone see okay with that? The war room says, "Yeah, you know, let's let's talk this over in the war room." Who, who else is on the board? Got Joe uh, Randall, Darius Jackson, and Eddie George. Eddie George Jackson was a pick. Who? I don't think he's you know, he's he's gone, isn't he, John? Darius Jackson. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, he's back and forth a lot. It seems. Uh, you know, with Joseph Randall. Never over 400 yards. Uh, we can leave all of his off-the-field stuff out of this um, because that's a whole other That has other to factor issue. into it, though. You know, quite frankly, he, you know, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. I don't know if everyone knew that he was a bad guy, but he's a bad guy. Um, and, I, you know, they, they thought they could just ride with him as the starter. And uh, the year that uh, the, they let DeMarco Murray walk and – Quickly found out that wasn't the case. I mean, you could make the argument uh, in a tiny nutshell. You could make the argument that the failure of Joseph Randall might have emphasized the pick for Zeke a little bit. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe we were wrong about a a guy can just fill up uh, and be the running back. He ran faster out of Dillard's than he did through the line. Oh, my God. You know what? And that's not even – I mean, that's like – With his Gucci black. Guilty Gucci. <laughs> Wasn't it uh, Still Gucci Black panties. and some, some silk undies? Yeah, guilty, guilty was definitely in the name of that cologne. Uh, one thing that I don't know, I don't think we've mentioned, like we're trying to keep this from 2000 till now. So it's like we're not yes. going back into um, because there are definitely some guys previous that, you know, we, we could have mentioned here. Um, I've said Eddie George just because in 2004 he got like a one year deal that was like, uh, it's like a million and a half, but it had the incentives that it could be over four, which is a lot of money for that time for running back. And it just never worked out. And I think he started like six or what seven. What was games his average, and, John? The average yards per carry. Like that three, year. three point, three point three. It's like one of the worst. And it was Cowboys bad. I, I remember him just like basically no gain, like every carry. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was. I don't remember him ever taking one to the house, so to speak. You know. Yeah, that's a good one. I'd go with yeah, Randall, no, it, though, just because he it, was a high draft pick from the Cowboys. And yeah, if he had the, the if weight we were of the going, ball on his shoulders. And he couldn't if we were it. going all the time, a guy that stands out to me that maybe I'm just because I was young at the time, I'm overrating this, but like Derek, Derek, is it Lasik or Lasik, who was the running back behind Emmett Smith? Oh, my God. I, I don't even remember. Okay. So anyway, um, you know, Emmett holds out in 2003. And so he starts those first two games and really doesn't do much. And then it goes back to Emmett and then you never really hear of him again. And you just think about, you're like, that's many call that like the greatest offensive line ever. And they have that amazing team. And it's like, if you're not going to run well on that team, like what team are you going to run well on? You know? And I, cause I kind of look at that with the 2000, I guess 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 Cowboys too. Um, you know, and and that goes right into what you guys said with Joseph Randall. I mean, he he was in a great situation too. Obviously, we've seen what Demarco Murray could do with that line, and then for him the following year to say, you know, I watched Demarco and last year, and I think he left a little little bit of meat on the bone or whatever, and that was just like I can't believe this guy's saying this. Demarco just had this the all time rushing leader single season in Cowboys franchise history, and he's gonna be talking about I, this guy left some meat on the bone. Just be happy that you have the job, you know. And then they go to Zeke. And so it's like you were the guy in between two rushing champs, you know, like, and you rushed for what? What did he rush? I don't know, three, 400 yards? Yeah, I, I, I mean. He never got over 400 yards. No, but, I mean, Randall did show a flash 
I remember that Atlanta yeah. game. He had like 200 yards at halftime or something. Yeah, he had flashes for sure. But yeah. I, I'm factoring in bad guy. That's why he's um because I don't trust the guy to go out there and and know the plays. <laughs> like right. that's why I'm putting him out there on my on my worst team. Not because I think he's the worst running back of the past 20 years. I don't think he is, but I think he's like the mentally he's the worst. So yeah. that, that gets a a nod. I'm not even sure about him now. I know he had some rape charges that he got arrested oh, for. Oh goodness! And uh, in on, Kansas, Joe. and though they were, you know, their allegations. So like, I don't even know. But he had multiple, uh, like, aggravated assault charges and the rape char- charges or suspicion of rape charges. And then I haven't heard anything. But I know at one point they were kind of like, were like kind of fearing for his life type thing because he kind of gone gone crazy a little bit so you know and you always hope everyone's doing well but you know he he did not do himself any favors uh at all i remember one practice too i remember he he wouldn't shut up and witten just yelled at him to shut up like well that's witten because what happened was one. yeah it's because uh uh i don't think joe randall knew that everything you say in 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 a jail uh, once you get inside, there actually as soon as you get in the police car is being recorded. Oh yeah, and I believe once he got in the jail, he said some things about like Des having basically like a worse rap sheet than him. Yeah, uh, in terms of like getting in trouble and things like that. Whatever it was, it had Des involved with it, and so that was the first time Des and Randall were on the practice field at the same time oh, after the, like Randall had come back. So Randall and Des are yelling at each other, and then that's when Witten got involved. It was pretty entertaining because you have two pretty fired up dudes who uh, you're sitting there and you're like, this is pretty cool that I get to see this like up close and, you know, and then to see Witten step in, uh, it was just, you know how it is. You go to enough of those practices, it's just Groundhog's Day. It's like one after another. So when you see anything like that, you're like, oh, yes. Whoa, smash something going. Something going here. Plot twist. Okay. <laughs> I, got some, I got something to tweet about. Oh, here's seven on seven again. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go to wide receivers. Let's stick with you guys because you guys both put – Antonio Bryant and Roy Williams. I had Roy Williams and Joey Galloway on mine, but Galloway actually had one good season. Um, so yeah, Antonio Bryant, Roy Williams. I would like to throw in. We're going to take two wide receivers. I, can I throw Alan Hearns into the mix? Oh yeah, I would sure. like to throw Hearns into the mix just because I do think I'm not sure the world thought this, but I think the Cowboys thought they were getting a better player than what they got. Alan Hurd's a great guy. I think the Cowboys thought they were getting a better player than than what I maybe I thought he was too. And that comes on the heels of cutting Dez and that weird 2017 or we're just going to kind of like, hey, we don't need a wide receiver one. All of us could be wide receiver. And uh, it ended up being kind of a stale year offensively. So um, I'm sure that was 2018, um, the Alan Hearns year. So, But uh, you guys both voted uh, Roy Williams and Antonio Bryant. So we'll go with those two. I do like the Alan Hearns one. That is interesting because we got to see over like a four-year period basically like how the Cowboys do business. And that was, you know, what Murray did. I think a lot of other running backs can do that. Randall take care of it. And then they were like, no, I don't know about that. Like, we can get by with, no, we'll get by with like Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris and like Joe Randall. And that. No, no. And then not only do they address it, but they address it with the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft. And then it's the same thing with like, you know what? I think we'll be able. We got a great offensive line. Dax growing. I don't know that we need Dez as a number one receiver. Let's try and go a little thrifty here, and we'll do more of a. Nobody will know who our number one is, and then that backfires to the point where it's like, 
no, we got to trade for somebody. And now when you're trading for somebody, you're trading for one of the best receivers in the league and giving up your first round pick in Amari Cooper. So it's like, we've watched those things backfire on them, you know, and, uh, uh, it, it's kind of continued on to the defense too. Like it was like, ah, we really don't care about putting a lot into safety and, and defensive tackle. And while they technically haven't yet, I mean, you did go out and sign Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe. They drafted Tristan Hill in the second round a year ago. So there's some investment there. Safety, we still haven't seen it yet, but it is interesting to see how, what they've kind of been their talking points. They've kind of gone against it like a couple years later. Um, so I have no problem uh, with, with those guys that you name, I just, when I think of Antonio Bryan, I think of a guy getting the 88. So obviously there's a lot of expectations there. And then the Roy Williams, just if they just traded like a third or a second round pick for Roy Williams, it still is a disappointment, but it's not to the level of like what they gave up for him. And so that will always factor into the equation. So that's why I mentioned those two. And, you know, Antonio Bryant though, was such a good thing before people knew it. He was good for fans who were going to end up being Des Bryant fans. Because if you bought an Antonio Bryant jersey, you could just kind of keep that as your Des Bryant jersey. So, like, you didn't have to do anything to it. Like, that, you already had it. And you still don't have to do anything to it. Yeah, you can just you change just that nameplate one more time. Yeah, so you're fine there, yeah. But now you have to put <laughs> Lamb on there, right? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, for there, for that, you could just keep the Bryant thing. So that's why he was good. I was going to cut him some slack there. I was going to tie it in. Uh, I know David LaFleur comes to mind, although David LaFleur was 90s. We might have changed it. Yeah, David LaFleur was 90s, right? Was His 90s? final season was 2000. Believe me, I was on this criteria. Holy I wasn't trying to cow. bend it. Because believe me, I wanted to bend it for a gentleman by the name of Shante Carver on the defensive Same. line. But I, I couldn't get it done. But I got 97, 98, 99, and 2000 for David LaFleur. So well, he's he just first, barely got in. First round pick, and I know everyone <laughs> knows that didn't work out. But you look at it, he did have one seven-touchdown season. Go to Gavin Escobar. To me, that's the easy pick. I'm pretty sure that's who you guys all went with as well. Just never had a season with more than 10 catches, you know? So uh, Gavin Escobar, the easy pick at tight end for a worst cowboy. Everyone good with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go to offensive line. Uh, we kind of moved away from uh, center, guard, tackle. Just kind of – here's two or three offensive linemen that would make the team. Um, so let's see. I'm looking at uh, to Kent's list first. Chaz Green, uh, Nate mm. Livings. I forgot about Nate Livings. That's really good. Uh, Al Johnson at center. Uh, John, Al Johnson, Robert Brewster, Chaz Green. For me, I put Chaz Green. I also put Alex Barron in there. Oh, gosh. I'm what, not what's, sure. What was that penalty he got? Wasn't it? Yeah, just horrible costume that game in week t- one. Holding, yeah, something. Gosh. But I now and and after seeing you guys submit your list, I forgot about Nate Livings because they signed Nate Livings too, and Nate Livings he had a pretty decent career. That poor guy just couldn't move. Uh, <laughs> I think we know about Brewster, and I think we know about Chaz Green. Chaz Green, you know, if you're making a top ten embarrassing moments in the franchise, you know, Chaz Green might be in that list uh, for what happened in, in Atlanta the day Tyron Smith couldn't play. Yeah, so Brewster is one of those guys in that in that 2009 draft when they traded traded away the first round pick to get Roy Williams, and then they traded back in this, their second round. So they didn't in 2009. They learned a lesson there too. Uh, 2009 was like they were going to draft all these reserve guys that they make the team deeper, and so they didn't have a pick until the third round. And so Robert Brewster was one of their two third round picks, and they didn't get very much out of him at all. And then it's very similar with Al Johnson is that. 
So he was a second round pick that they wanted to play center, and it ended up working out because they ended up going uh, with Andre Andre Girard. They had Girard at one of the guard spots, and they were going to have you know Johnson at the center, and then that didn't work out. Johnson was gone in a year, and then so Girard moved over and ended up being a good player for them, obviously. But uh, it just the L Johnson pick stands out to me because it was in that draft in 2003. It's Terrence Newman goes in the first round, excellent pick. And then they take L. Johnson in the second, but then they take Jason Witten in the third. So it's like to think that they liked L. Johnson more than Jason Witten, it just kind of makes that stand out to me, I guess. No, absolutely. It's um, in fact, it's funny how these names uh, make you feel older, too. Uh, so they're going, oh, man. I think Alex Baird and Nate Living's kind of my first year, you know, uh, at least kind of covering the team as like an intern back at my first radio job. That's kind of crazy to think about all that, how fast it's gone by. Defensive line now. I submitted Tristan Hill and Nick Hayden, and I didn't feel good about putting Tristan Hill on this list, I want to be honest. Um, John, you have Taco, Tapper, Tristan Hill. Um, let's take a look at Kent's there, uh, Nick Hayden. So Nick Hayden's the one we all kind of, kind of look at. You know, defensive line is a position they've kind of been criticized for over the years, but it's also never been their, like, Weakest area of the team very often because I, I I guess their lack of commitment to the position doesn't create a lot of guys who like stick with you for for many years because they don't sign a lot of defensive linemen. You know, uh, they'll sign a defensive end, but they don't sign defensive linemen or haven't in the last ten years or so. And it makes you go, okay, well they're not that really memorable defensive linemen. It's just guys who are stop gaps and here for one, two, three years. I think that's how Nick Hayden gets on the list because Nick Hayden's the most well, you're a 350-pound guy who plays the one technique and can take on double teams, and you're cheap. So we'll uh, give you a cool nickname, the Golden Cock, and we'll uh, put you in there for a few years. Like that's all. That's like what he reeks of, and that's kind of how he makes a list like this. <laughs> See, I, I, let me be clear. He was not on my list, and the reason why he's not is because I don't blame Nick Hayden at all. That was a Rod Marinelli. Yeah. I don't need a significant investment at my one technique, so I'm going to start this dude for three years, and he started that dude for three years, and he started every game but one for three years. So, I mean, if I'm Nick Hayden, I'm not going to sit there and be like, guys, this is the Dallas Cowboys. They should be able to do better than me. I don't want to play today. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to start. Okay, I'll start. Like, it's not his fault. Um, yeah. so I, I didn't have him on there and I agree. I Tristan Hill, but I agree with you, KT. I think it is a little early there. He's only played one season. The problem is that we really didn't see a flash of really anything. And that was your second round pick. Taco is obviously an easy one. Charles Tapper on there, even though it's a fourth round pick, I usually like to stay away from that because there's still a gamble there. It's really the fact that they took him over Dak Prescott. Like that, that's how much they thought of Charles Tapper and they got really almost nothing from him. And so, uh, that's a guy that really, Let's be honest, with how good that year that draft was in, in 2016, Charles Tapper should still be on this team right now. He should be a guy that you're like, yeah, even if he doesn't start, like he should be getting he should be getting a decent amount of snaps there on that right end spot, and it just didn't work out. Injuries played a factor, obviously, as well. But, I mean, this is a guy that they liked more than the guy that we just started the show talking about as the franchise quarterback and is going to be one of the highest-paid players in NFL history. So, um, so Tapper, expectations were obviously decent there, and, and they weren't met. Yeah, and I, you know, I remember that day, there's so many, uh, like just the discussion of Rod Marinelli kind of gets to pick his own guys, but I remember covering the draft on day three, and that morning we had Rod Marinelli on, and then Rod Marinelli, we start talking, and we're in a commercial break, and he's like, come on back here to my office, guys. 
And me and Jeff Cavanaugh walk back to his office and he's telling us a Newt Rockney story about the blitz. We're just talking about the difference in run blitzing and pass blitzing. This is back at Valley Ranch, so you can kind of things are a little more accessible. And I remember in there, he's telling, and, and, and Kavanaugh's like locked in, eyes on him. And I'm just looking <laughs> around his office, and I look up on a projector screen, and I see the Oklahoma defense up there, and I'm going, shit. Sorry, Kent. It's just S-bomb. I don't know if we can do that or not. I, go I like there, it. It's authentic. I'm looking there, and I go, oh, crap. They're going to take tap. <laughs> ah, you got crap. The, they got the Oklahoma defense on there, and I was sitting there going, okay. Uh, there was that Sanchez cornerback from Oklahoma. They're not taking him. He's undraftable. Uh, Tapper. Tapper is one of their visits. Ta- yep, that's it. Uh, Charles Tapper. So I knew that they were going to take Tapper with that first pick. And, uh, look, I, I wasn't as high on Tapper as a lot of people seem to be. Nice guy. But I wasn't high, high on him as a player. And uh, I just remember, that's, I'll always remember that. How it's so, only it's with so the Cowboys that, with the defensive it's so funny coordinator? You just said, it's so funny you just said nice guy because he was one of the nicest. He was guys one of the. Yeah. Sorry, go on. It's <laughs> probably dude. why he was around for as long as he was. I hope he's not listening to this. Yeah, but only with the Cowboys, especially at Valley Ranch, could you walk back there and the defensive coordinator wants to tell you a story about a blitz during a five-minute commercial break, and sitting there and they're giving you their draft plans on a projector screen. Like there they are. <laughs> Yep. Same same draft as Garrett and Will McClay and the war room cameras on and Garrett and Will McClay are mimicking quarterback motions, you know. Garrett's standing up and throwing fake throwing passes like I think they're gonna take a quarterback next. They're telling us what they're doing. This is amazing. Are the other teams in the league seeing this? Because if anyone else wanted Dak Prescott, the Cowboys were telling you they were gonna take a quarterback. It was just I'll t- so I'll awesome. I'll tell you what, you go back to Demarcus Lawrence in twenty fourteen. And from that point on, there just really hasn't been many good defensive linemen drafted by the Cowboys since then in any round. I mean, really, the yeah. only other one that became a starter was a consistent starter was Malik Collins. But other than that, there's a lot of guys that, whether you want to talk about Charles Tapper or Ryan Russells and Tacos oh. and Tristan Hills, and there's just a lot of guys in there that. And so to me, that's what makes this year's draft so interesting, like a, a Neville Gallimore, like, okay, so there's a new coaching staff. So how does that fit in? Because uh, clearly what they were drafting defensive line wise really wasn't even working uh, recently. So remember not um, very well at all. It's it's for a team that's drafted very well over this last, you know, six, seven years, that's been a weak spot. Remember Ben Gardner, John, I do. And Joey Ivy and yeah. uh, Joey Jalen. J- Jalen Jelks. What and, was the uh, what was the uh, Jordan Jordan Carroll? Jordan Carroll. That's what I was thinking of. The other oh, kid, man. not Ivy, but it was uh, Ryan Russell. I mean, I'm sure there's some Jordan people like Carroll. just if you look at talent, you know, you might say, oh, what about Randy Gregory? Well, John, up until this point, Rodney Randy Gregory not thought, ahead. Jo- Joey Ivy was like gonna be the next. I don't even Nick know Aiden? Warren Sapp or something. Like he he like fist pumped in the in the war room cam. He was like jumping and dancing. When they got Joey Ivy, and he didn't even make it through camp. Man, uh, I, I wonder. I wonder if they regret any of. Hey, let's just let Marinelli uh, make some of these calls, and uh, they could have ended up with some, like Taco instead of TJ. You know, I mean, I don't know if you have to wonder about that. I think it's pretty safe to say. Yeah. So uh, let's go to defensive end because t- we're talking about the same thing there. Taco, of course, right. First round investment, mm-hmm. I think it's clear. When you end up cutting a guy, right. you know, two years into it. Uh, and that's where it's interesting, Randy Gregory's a name, because has flashed, 
has shown that he has something and for the most part hasn't been available and was also a second round investment. So, you know, on my list, I, I had, you know, Gregory on there too, even though, you know, he could be playing for you this year. Who knows? Uh, Kent threw in Greg Hardy, which is interesting. Um, who would make your worst team or, uh, yeah, Taco for sure. Who's that other defensive end on that team? I mean, I would probably put, if you're going by expectations solely, then you have to put in Randy Gregory. And the reason I say is because, yeah, he still has football left in front of him if he wants it. Um, But if we're judging it up until this point, then it hasn't worked out for where the investment was made in the second round. So he would be it. I mean, Tapper would be another guy in that conversation. And then um, I don't put Greg Hardy in that same category. But if you want to, like, I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, let's go to linebacker. Obvious one here. I only put one on my linebackers, Bobby Carpenter. Um, let's see. John, you threw in Jason Williams. I forgot about him. Yeah, it's it just because of that same draft that we just had talked about with the Robert Brewster thing. That's that Roy Williams draft. They had already traded the first round pick, so they trade back and don't have a second round either, and they don't pick until the third. And so their first pick in that draft wasn't until pick uh, 69. They took Jason Williams, and he didn't do anything. Uh, Kent threw in there Kyle Wilber. It's another fun former, former starter. Yeah, did you know their twenty twelve solid special their, teams player? Yeah, their twenty twelve starters were Kyle Wilber, Bruce Carter, and Sean Lee. Those were their starting three linebackers that year. That is, uh, it's interesting to look back on. Sean Lee was in his prime. I'm sure Bruce Carter had some flashes. Was never really consistent, yeah. and then like. They don't have anyone else. I guess Kyle Wilber was was pretty young still, but yeah, he never were, never was a starter. But yeah, like you said, John, solid solid special teams guy. But um, yeah, I tried to, on my list. I tried to pick guys who at once were starters at some point in their cowboy career, and he was, and it's still in the league. I guess still in Oakland. And looking at cornerback, uh, all uh, we're all in unison here. Shut down corner here on this team, Morris Claiborne, as your cornerback one. Um, and then we had a little bit of uh, different different input on number two. I put on mine, Bright Westbrooks, um, who's only played one game, but he was, you know, I think, dismissed for many reasons. Um, you have Dwayne Goodrich. Uh, Ken, on your list, you know, can we start asking the question about Cheeto? And that's interesting. I, I hope that's... Not something that we're talking about after next year, but... We'll know know in a year or two, right? Yeah, we'll know sooner than later. Um, You know, Skandrick was at at times their best defensive back. At times, which says a lot. Um, You know, and they ended up giving him a a contract and everything. Um, So, like, I I went with Westbrooks, but Westbrooks has only played, like, one game. A lot of people may not remember. Dwayne Goodrich... Can you help? Can you jog my memory here, John, on Dwayne Goodrich? What was the uh, what was the draft position on him? So Dwayne Goodrich, this is the 2000 draft, so it just barely gets under our criteria there, and it's a year that they did not have a first round pick. So he's their first pick. He went in the second round, and it was pick 49 overall. And you don't need to know anything more about him other than the fact that he got in a car accident, and um, I believe more than one person died in yeah. this accident. So he went to jail. And so he didn't really do anything. So just to kind of compare to the Chidobi Awuji, like Cheeto's already done way more than Dwayne Goodrich was able to do for the Cowboys. I mean, there was high hopes there because 
he was drafted at a time that, you know, the window had clo- was closing or yeah, pretty much closed on all of those, like the 90s corners, yeah. like the Kevin Smiths and the Deion Sanders. And so this was going to be, we're going to invest, you know, a top 50 pick into Dwayne Goodrich. And he played five games in 2000. And then he played in 11 games in 2002. And that was it. And he never played in the NFL ever wow. again. So he's had, he had in his career, uh, one pass deflection. That's Uh-oh. it. Yeah, no, I'm solid. okay with putting Goodrich on that team. Solid. That's solid. Uh, Better than me. <laughs> yeah, right? That's the thing I'll say. Like, when we talk oh, about this stuff, I'm like, that's yeah, the bar, I, huh? I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, hey, some of these guys had, had, as, had as many interceptions as me. Those are zero. <laughs> so they were in my consideration, too. But, yeah, it's uh, that's why I put Cheeto on there. I mean, he's got to be – he's got to start get, making – being productive, you know, um, yeah. the next few years, you know, because he was such a high draft pick. Oh, they need it for sure. Um, safety is an interesting position with this franchise because they typically have ignored it since uh, Darren Woodson. I put J.J. Wilcox. J.J. Wilcox is a third-round pick. Uh, John, you have Matt Johnson on, on there. Um, Who didn't play any The thing about Matt Johnson is that's why, that's why I, I had him ineligible on my criteria because he didn't. He never played in the regular season, did he? He only played in the preseason, right? Yeah, but they had more hype than any of these yeah, other guys. Like his his basement, his basement was supposed to be Jeff Heath. <laughs> you know that was they were supposed to at least get at the very least a really solid guy that they could potentially start and be here for you know at least throughout his rookie contract and be a solid contributor. And and here's the thing, like in training camp, like he was actually like making plays on the ball, and people were like, "This could be the playmaker that we need on the back end as like kind of a center fielder type guy that can also come up and hit." And then he just had hamstring injury after hamstring injury, and it just never happened for him. Okay, and now we go to go to kicker. So J.J. Wilcox and Matt Johnson are our safeties. Uh, the kicker, I put Maher. Can't put Maher, of course. Um, <laughs> you already know. Uh, John, though, goes with Mike Vanderjagt. So, uh, to me, Maher was given <laughs> nine lives. I mean, Maher was the cat of the team last year. Maher was just like not fun to watch, even when he was kicking well. Like, like wow, that was the the ugliest make I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, it was he so just like wracking. Yeah, like he he when he did kick well, it just looked bad. It was like I don't even know. Like the the good times weren't even great with with Brett Maher. <laughs> I just remember uh, one of those open practices we were doing our show out at the Ford Center. Last year, you know, and he's out there early and getting some work in and just kicking. I'm like, God, none of these balls are going straight. Like, even the ones you make, still, we're, we're trying to find the 32 best guys at this in the world who can do this job. And even he, he can't drill it down the middle. But I do want to hear the argument for Mike Vanderjack that John has because I think it's interesting. And uh, I think this is, a, this is a lively debate here for Ed Kicker. <laughs> Go through, throw some yeah, there's just way Mike. My yeah, Mike Vanderjack is way worse than Brett Maher because of the fact that like he was a significant investment. I mean, when he signed when he signed his contract in the mid 2000s, it was like a three year deal with like that was going to be worth like it was between like five and six million dollars. He got like two over two million guaranteed, which that's a lot of money for a kicker at that time. Like this was supposed to be like their answer to their kicking problems. And I don't even know if he made it through that entire first season. I don't believe that he did. I, I should actually have brought that up while you guys were talking about Maher, but um, like 
Mike Vanderjack is on like the list of like worst contracts in NFL history, not just Cowboys. Like that is a huge disaster move by the Cowboys to try and fill that there. Okay, so yeah, he played one. He ended up playing the one season with the Cowboys in, in ten games, and you know he seventy two percent. Yeah, eighteen of thirteen, seventy two percent, thirty two, thirty three of thirty three on extra points. So yeah, like wow, way better on the extra points than Noel Maher. Let's uh. Check well, I that. think the rules are probably rules different. were different. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it is sorry, change. Mike. I just don't Did look you at dirty Mike. Like again, like Maher, like it, it kind of trickles into a little bit of that Nick Hayden conversation. Where like, is it Brett Maher's fault that the coaches continue to let, put him out there? Sixty six percent for Maher. Ooh. Is he is he supposed to like sit there and say like, hey guys, I can't do this or whatever? Like he was obviously a like a low investment. They obviously cut Dan Bailey because he was making a significant amount of money. Like, there's not a big investment there. Just like there's not a big investment in Nick Hayden. Like, Mike Vanderjack is an investment. Like, you – and then he doesn't even make it on the three-year deal. He doesn't even make it through one full season. Like, I don't know. That's that's pretty terrible. I, I think nationally, I believe most people would say it's Mike Vanderjack. And locally, maybe more people would say Maher because it's more recent. Okay. Well, then since we can't come to a uh... – like to an agreement here, can we just agree that David Beeler being on the roster should get would take the kick spot speci- here? Kick special, kickoff specialist, kickoff specialist. Yeah, yeah. We, we need a we need a kick returner too. How about a quasi Wusu Ansa as the kick returner? I, I was gonna say Lucky Whitehead. Kai Forbath kind of needs a kickoff. Yeah, specialist. No, yeah, Lucky fumbled it away a couple times, right? It felt like yeah, every time Lucky return. hit the ground, the ball came out. Yeah, I. But he had potential as a kick returner, you know. It was at least there, like the potential. Um, you know, Felix returned kicks for a while, uh, but he was, you know, he Felix had some good games as a dynamic player. Uh, my vote goes to Lucky, Lucky Whitehead, because I'm struggling to remember a quasi. He was the uh, defensive back, wide receiver, kick returner, hybrid guy. That Jerry was uh, convinced was the truth. Like, uh, I think it was maybe the Dez draft, the Sean Lee draft, one of those. I believe it was. It was that year. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 2010, um, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. He, um, yeah. Another hyped guy that never really, that really did anything for anyone. So. And uh, coach has to be on the list here, right? Yes. Who's going to with- coach the worst team? This could I, be I- it. I went with Garrett, and I understand Campo and the record. Garrett, oh. but I went. I went with Garrett because if you look at how Garrett was thought of before he got that job, like the Ravens are calling, offensive mind. This guy's going to change football. Look at this, Campo. To me, I've always given. Not that he was ever going to to do great. I think he was a sacrificial lamb. I think he was a guy that was told to go, look, our roster's bad. We're going to rebuild. It was kind of well-known. He wasn't going to be there for a long time. To me, I'm cutting Campo some slack here, and I'm giving it to Garrett, even though Garrett had a couple <sighs> playoff seasons. Wow. There's no way that wow. it's anybody, but forget just 2,000. But with Campo fits right in there with the 2000 criteria of this exercise. So it, it makes it easy. I mean, he went three seasons of five and 11. Like you're right. I, I just can't. Garrett went four and 12. That's you, worse. Okay, <laughs> when you go five and 11, five and 11, five and 11, how do you 
justify even keeping your job, regardless of what the plan was for you going forward or not. Yeah. So, no, you're right. You know, and Garrett got him to, you know, three division titles, three divisional rounds of the playoffs, and and no one's going to want to hear this, but like if they have a really good year this year, like I don't care. Like he deserves some credit for that because he helped put together this team. Like they weren't just in there going and, and listening to Rod Marinelli in, in the war room. Like Jason Garrett had a lot of say on the, on the drafts and that's the foundation of this team. He had a lot of say in a lot of these moves that have put this team together. Like I, maybe it's just cause I don't, I wasn't covering the team then. I just don't remember that being the case coming off of Dave Campos three years. So I, I don't, I don't put Jason Garrett in that same conversation. You think yeah. if um, Garrett was the coach for those teams that they would have been five and 11, three years in a row or do you think it would have been worse or better than that? Well, one thing is just, for sure. The only thing that changes is Jason Garrett. You drop him into his prime from his prime of 2000 and let's say 14 coaching right right into that team. What happens? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to the playoffs or anything, but I think he could have eked out. He's shown us that he can eke out an eight and eight season. So. I think he. I think he. So basically, answer your question. I think he does a better job than Dave Campo does with yeah. that team. Yes. Now I don't think that it's significantly better and just blows out of the water and they go to the playoffs three years or something like that. They might not go to the playoffs at all, but I think they do better than five and eleven, yeah. five and eleven, five and eleven. You're right, and you got a sense of watching those Campo teams that there was always chaos happening at all times. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Is, Bad Garrett, is Garrett in the uh, in the wetsuit at SeaWorld like Campo was? Or they had hard knocks, and they went. They like Campo took everybody to see <laughs> when they were training in um, San Antonio. That was a great uh, look. That one up on YouTube. I missed that. Yes, first that's the first hard knocks. Well, I wonder if that's. I wonder if that that's out. worth a rewatch. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, we're getting to the point where anything's worth a rewatch now. <laughs> where, where can we find all those? Is there an app? Is there a streaming service with all the hard knocks? Isn't there the NFL? app or something how no hbo would be your best chance the hbo app's incredible i don't know if they have all the seasons of hard knocks but the hbo app is fantastic so is the athletic app though that's my favorite app you mm. should get on and see what john wrote check it out let's do the podcast yeah, do that other podcasts i want to hear you know doing all we that had a stuff. really we had a really exciting stadium ranking story last week where um for about a previous week and a half, I had talked to all the other NFL writers that work for the athletic. Cause I was like, all right, this is my best chance to get 30 or so people that have been to the majority of NFL stadiums. How else can I, you know, get as many people like that, that have actually, so to bounce off them, like, Hey, I'm not asking you to rank all 30 stadiums, just rank your top five and your worst five. And then we came up with a ranking. And so, uh, that's up on the website, AT&T stadiums in the top three. So, um, I'm sure Cowboys fans will, uh, some will agree and some will disagree with that, but uh, I thought it was a pretty interesting exercise. And then the comments are fun too because uh, you got plenty of people in there talking about how we should have made this about the fans and who cares what the media thinks. So it's fun. I love being ridiculed. <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. Uh, Let me just run this by you real quick. Why would it be better if we have fans when most fans are going to be biased of their like? I, I don't think fans understand enough like how little like writers care about the team they cover now i'm not saying that's across the board but like most writers really don't care like if you've been covering a team for more than a couple of years you really don't care because you're it becomes more about you and what makes your job easier and things like that like i would not sit there and put the cowboy at&t stadium in the top five because i'm like well i cover the cowboys and i really like the stadium like if it's 
a bad stadium, I'm not going to give it a high ranking. Whereas like fans, fans are more likely to give their home stadium a higher ranking. Like, so like having writers do it, it's like, well, these writers have been to most stadiums, if not all of them. So why wouldn't you just bounce it off of them? Whereas like even your most diehard fan, how many stadiums have they been to, to compare it off of, you know what I'm saying? Like when we did that survey for the athletic, like almost 70% of the Cowboys fans in there, which was over 2000 fans, almost 70% said they'd never even been to a Cowboys game at AT&T stadium. That's so crazy. How many, how many away games have they been to, to make, to bounce those compare? I mean, before I started covering a team, I'd been to like three stadiums and I thought of myself as a pretty diehard, like lions fan growing up, you know, I've been to, I've been to, I've been to Detroit, Chicago and green Bay. So why would you care what I think about Seattle? or Minnesota, or AT&T? Why not ask people that have actually been to those stadiums? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Gosh. You hate fans, John. No, not just on this particular story. (laughs) I just have seen fans vote on this stuff before, and it's always their home team. Which one won? It was was the Vikings one. I have zero zero problem with the top five, and that's the one that bothers people the most. Yeah. Yeah, the Vikings are one. The Seahawks were two. The Cowboys were three. And the Packers were four, and and it was so close between those four that, and and the votes clearly say it in there. So you can see from there, like no one's saying that any one of these four is that much better than the other. Like mm-hmm. everybody's different, so we're not. There's a significant drop off after that. Like fifth was the Chiefs, which is fine, and it's obviously a nice stadium. I haven't been there yet, but I've heard a lot of great things about it. But like the top five ended up four out of the five were the four out of the five that I had picked. The only one that I didn't, I had Atlanta on there. Uh, as my I really fifth like. Um... Arizona. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's nice really too. Strong one. Now Houston. that it came in at like twelve, it was it was in in the top ten. It's a lot I mean, of qualities. If you, if you guys think John's going unhinged now, though, you should see his rant on masks, um, and that's going to happen on another <laughs> podcast in the future. Uh, uh, Kent might have to edit that out just because things are a little divisive right now. Um, I love masks. I'm all for masks. I'm wearing a mask right now. I think everyone's coming around on masks, to be honest. I think we're all kind of understanding that it's what we need. I, I did kind of feel like uh, – I'm swear I'm not going into a thing here, but it'll, it'll be quick no, and then we'll wrap it up. I do feel like I, – I did feel like as we approached football, and now we're seeing co- uh, college conferences go. We're into all conference games. Um, I kind of – I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC has more of an NFL-type uh, mentality here. The SEC, with the CBS TV, uh, TV deal, might just put their head down and, <laughs> hey, we're playing football no matter what. Like they may How do bad that. does it look, though, if you're the only conference that plays? Like, if you're a Power 5, you need some of these other Power 5 conferences to be playing football, or you're just going to look, like, terrible. Like, you're just putting these kids in a, just an awful situation now. Pros is a little bit different because you're going to have the whole league playing. And those are also professional athletes being paid. Like the college kids, like I don't correlate anything with the college, the way they do it to what the pros will do. Like that has no bearing. You can tell me tomorrow that college football said they're not going to have a season this year. It has no bearing on the way I feel about the NFL, if they're going to have a season or not. Oh, there's no doubt. If you start having power fives, like the big 10 says, we're not playing football this year, man, I don't know how the other power fives can be like, yeah, but we're in a little bit safer area of the country right now. Like, I don't know how you justify that. Yeah, no, and that's I think that's something that we'll be keeping our eyes on and we'll be tracking as we move forward because we are we're close, man. We've got the Dak Prescott deadline for the fifteenth coming up, and, and that's every uh NFL player that's been franchise tagged. Uh that's coming up on a Wednesday. We'll have an emergency podcast if anything happens uh in that regard, and a deal is done for Dak. 
Uh, other than that, though, we'll keep grinding ahead. We get a little closer to camp as days go by. We get a little bit closer to live sports potentially as days go by. Baseball coming up in a few weeks, so be sure to follow uh, Levi Weaver and what he's doing at The Athletic. Uh, Tim Cato, Sean Shapiro, and, and Saad Youssef as well covering the Mavs and Stars as uh, they look to get going at the end of the month in early August. So it's a good time to be uh, to be uh, listening to The Athletic. Uh, Kent, uh, if, I, if I'm not authorized, I'll let you edit this out. Uh, but I should say to everyone that if you get a chance to check out something that our good friend Kelsey Charles has kind of started, um, a website called eardfw.com. And uh, we're all uh, involved uh, in, a, in a way. And eardfw.com is basically giving back to the city, uh, to the Metroplex, to four uh, local nonprofit, uh, black, black nonprofit uh, organizations um, in the name of education, action, and reform. Uh, and the fight against uh, social injustices and inequality and uh, really the civil rights movement of our time. Uh, we all kind of wanted to do something. So EarDFW.com, we've vetted these organizations. I can tell you because I was on the ground for that. Um, we vetted these organizations very well, and they're doing good work in our in our city. And uh, we're getting a lot of cool um, – we're getting a lot of donations, which is great. We want to keep that going to help these uh, organizations. But there's a lot of cool things like people are doing like – uh, for instance, uh, Jeff Cavanaugh, I think, is offering it. If you, off, if you donate and can prove it, he'll go play golf with you. Um, our buddy Dave Hillman is like having a Zoom watch party or a Zoom party, a Zoom chat. Uh, if, you, if, you donate, uh, if you donate and choose me or whatever, donate and prove it to me. You can come up and join uh, the Ben and Skin Show live in studio uh, and just watch us do our show and hang out and we'll get some food or something like that. If you can you know, donate and prove that you did it. Uh, obviously once the pandemic's over, before we have you up in studio, we're not going to be, you know, having a lot of congregation, but, uh, just some things in the future. So eardfw.com is the website and it's at eardfw on social media. So I just wanted to, to give that a quick plug as well, if that's okay. And if it's not edited out, you know, know what I'm saying? Um, anything else you guys want to add? Anything else you guys would like to, uh, get off your chest here? Stay tuned to us for your Bravo Eugenia location updates. Okay, wait, hold on. Should we throw out a guess? I guess right now? Or where it's going to be next time? Yes. Okay, yeah, go for it. Next time. Where do you think the Bravo... Oh, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. You're right, okay. Santa Barbara. It's that time of year. Damn. Ventura. Yeah. Is that... Well, and, so they're uh, going to go to Oxnard, but the team is going to stay back? Yep. Well, no, Jerry, Jerry has a house in Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. Like, so when... So when like the teams at in uh, at training camp, um, a lot of Jerry's family, like his wife, st- like stays in Santa Barbara, and and some of the family stays there. So that's why that kind of makes sense to be the next stop. Does he just stay at the dorms? No, I don't think he does. Like he has an office there and that, but I'm pretty sure he stays in Santa Barbara too. But I mean, he stays at the uh, facility pretty late because I've seen him at some of those restaurants around there and stuff like that. Like yeah. he's not like jumping out of there but i mean you know they have guests and things like that that entertains and things of that nature but i don't think he's staying in one of those uh hotel rooms no and uh, it would be funny to think about though <laughs> jerry jerry jones says his bravo eugenia but he's staying in like a you know 79 dollar a night hotel <laughs> residence in that, that a lot of nba players would be grapping about uh except our maps oh boy. appear to be liking the bubble just fine okay that's it for kent garrison for john mashota father john mashota I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys.